Hello, everybody. And welcome to episode 41 yes, welcome. of the Wayward Dragons. Yes. Welcome, welcome. This is part one of our Satanic Panic series. After this, we're doing yes. like six more episodes. Yeah, this is going to be a big mini-series. This one is going to be just kind of a rough overview. Some people have not heard of the Satanic Panic. Yeah. And as one of our non-American-based listeners probably have never heard of it, depending on what other podcasts and such they listen to. Yes. Because this was a big thing in America. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge. Huge. Uh, this first episode, I'm going to be going over just a few random things on like a super high level of like... You know, this is the basis of this and how it influenced the Satanic Panic. And then the rest of our episodes, we're going to be kind of breaking down a little bit further. Uh, depending on the subject matter, we're going to kind of switch back and forth. Yes. On which ones we're doing. Yeah. So we're going to be at this for at least a couple months. <laughs> which, I mean, it's just fine by me. Oh, yeah, I don't mind. So first off, I'm going to start off by talking about Jack Chick. Okay. Uh, do you know who Jack Chick is at all? No. Okay. So I'm starting off with Jack Chick because he is, slash was, such an important figure and uh, being influenced and influenced by the events of the Satanic Panic. Okay. You probably know Jack Chick, but you don't realize you know him. Okay, is it one of those people that, like, if I saw his face, I might know who he is? Oh, oh no. So there actually were very few pictures of Jack Chick taken over his lifetime. Okay. Why we're talking about him and why is he so important? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, he was an evangelical extremist who hated everything that, well, makes me, Kelsey, and I'm assuming half the people <laughs> who are listening to this themselves. Yeah. Probably. Uh, he was homophobic, transphobic, misogynist, and an all-around trash guy. Trash of a human being. Awesome. Uh, all that being said, he was actually a fun artist. Uh, for those of you who are in the States, especially, but they do have them that show up in different parts around the world because they're available in all sorts of languages. If you've ever found a little small comic book booklet, that talks about like uh, talks about you know all the little things that you do and why they're bad and why you'll go to hell everything from you know being queer to listening to different types of music to uh, you know dressing the wrong way. Those little comics are called chick tracks, and that was kind of his big thing. He was a said he was a fun comic book artist, and when I say fun. I partially mean that ironically, <laughs> because okay, he was rather talented. Yeah, but some of his stories were well, they were out there. Yeah. So he started doing the chick tracks in the nineteen sixties, and like I said, they place random places. They're still around today. They helped stoked fear in things like horror, metal and punk music, alternative fashion, marijuana, 
fantasy stories and games, queer people, and so much more. The stories outline a basic series of events and demonize everything. (laughs) Literally everything. They even have things with like hippies sacrificing animals because I mean, I know all the hippies I know are, you know, crazy people that sacrifice animals. I don't know about you. Uh, but yeah, so these books are left in random places by people. You can find them, you know, back in the day on phone booths, but those aren't a thing anymore. You can find them on a park bench, a restaurant, doctor, waiting room table. You can even find them in Walmart just randomly setting around with people. Like, yep. I have... T- Totally yep. found them on grocery shops before. So these were done in such volumes and yeah. have been done in such volumes uh, that he is not only considered one of the most read theologians. I'm tied there for a second. One of the most read theologians yeah. in history, but possibly the most read indie comic book artist. Okay. Um, he lived from 1924 to 2016. Now, that being said, his work's still in prints. And, but the heyday of them were, like, where they were huge, were between the late 70s and early 90s, or, you know, yeah. during the time of the Satanic Panic. And so this is the period most commonly known as Satanic Panic. Some of these were so full of hate speech and have been banned they've been banned in other countries uh jack was obsessed with the thought and ideas that there in fact existed some organization of satanic cults who are who set out to control the world and feed negative information to corrupt and control the masses so the fun fact about some of them is that they were i they were unironically ridiculous a lot of people that collect these yeah aren't even evangelical christians they literally collect them because they're so far out there a number of them actually come out as like super homoerotic even like yeah there's just the way stuff's phrased and way stuff's drawn it comes across as super homoerotic and not meaning to be so it's like unintentionally ironic yeah so this is a, just kind of a small summary of who Jack Chick was. If you want more information and a lot more on his story, uh, I would suggest everyone check out the amazing podcast called American Hysteria, uh, whose host, Chelsea Weber-Smith, just recently did a 10-part series on him. And... Wow. It's... Yeah, Chelsea Weber-Smith goes to this awesome, like backstory just like his entire back uh backstory growing up how he became the crazy person he is and some of his quote-unquote credible sources <laughs> that were misproven defunct multiple times okay next we're going to talk about horror movies <laughs> those lovely horror movies so, on this i I'm not a huge fan of horror, personally. Neither am I. So, I did talk pretty heavily on the subject with my partner and a friend of mine who are both big horror nerds. So, uh, just kind of a shout-out appreciation to them. 
I figured I'd bring in the experts, me not knowing a crap ton about horror. Yeah. And this is based off just like conversations and informations that information informations information that I got from them. <laughs> All the informations. Uh, so there's a lot of love for horror films and books that rose up before and because of the satanic panic. Yeah. And since we're in kind of a revival of the satanic panic, which we'll get into more later, it kind of redefined horror in a number of ways. So with the rise of the satanic panic, people brought uh, bought into the fact that, you know, these demons and these creatures were out there, these others were out there to bring threats on family and bring threats into the home, you know, threats on the children. It was a, it's a big thing if people are worried about someone harming their children, and that's kind of a thing used over and over again. Yeah. Uh, some kind of deep evil entity or entities that could come in and corrupt the youth, corrupt the innocent. God damn corrupting uh, the youth. so in the united states specifically um if you look at patterns of the types of horror movies that you see more of and what politician or what major party is in office you'll often see that when one party is in office you'll see more vampire movies and shows coming out and when the other one you'll see more zombies as kind of just a reflective nature of you know, people see that people view, or you see that people view the opposite side as monsters, or people who don't agree with them as monsters, because it's the strange, it's the unusual, and it, it goes both ways. Uh, it's simply the fear of things we don't understand, which is perpetuated all throughout popular media. Oh, yeah. Uh, during the satanic panic, of course, there's no exception. We did have a number of serial killers that were around that, you know, for shock value or mental illness, claimed that they were doing it to, for the works of Satan. Uh, you also had, you know, a few cults that did pop up that took things way too far, but very few and far between. And now that most of them were not actual Satanists or Satanic worshippers. Yeah. So, but this kind of increased the, this kind of increased the amount of representation that you had of, you know, accusations of confessions and, or confessions, possessions. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a long day, guys. Gotta get those confessions in. Um, Accusations of possessions, hauntings, and things that would lead you and your children through the gates of hell themselves. This is why we have such influential films as The Exorcist, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hellraiser, Chucky, and uh, The Omen. I can't personally speak on all the intricacies and complexities of these films because I'm not a horror nerd and I hopefully can get more information from at least one of our experts uh, before we get into our media episode on this. Oh, yeah. The whole thing is, like I said earlier, just 
the fear of something getting your children or, you know, they're being corrupted and marked by the devil and that they aren't even safe when they're asleep. This, of course, caused, uh, this, of course, propagated the fear even further. There's even a lot of queer representation in these films and, and ties into metal, punk, and goth subcultures. Oh, yeah. Which uh, many horror films to this day still buy into the idea, even if they feed into it ironically. Such as films like We Summon the Darkness and Willy's Wonderland. And some still go, some go far to the opposite direction. And it all boils down to basically the fear of the other. And, you know, in horror, that's kind of what it lashed onto and built onto. From there, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, <laughs> a topic that for some reason Kelsey wants me to cover <laughs> in an episode to itself. I, For some reason, she thinks I know something about you know, <laughs> Uh, from what I hear, it has something to do with dungeons and there may be a few dragons involved. Not 100% sure. <laughs> but for real, anyone who's listening listened to us for any length of time knows that I am a hardcore ner- nerd and avid TTRPG fan. TTRPG stands for Tabletop Role Playing Game, also known as the classic P&P or pen and paper games. This means that all you really need to enjoy one of these games is uh, at least one friend. That's it. You just need one. <laughs> what? Your dog doesn't count. What about my cat? Uh, <laughs> and something to record like your stats and stuff on. And, of course, some dice. To get the shortened version, because we get into the long version of it, when we get to the episode for D&D, uh, as far as the satanic panic, you can think part of that from Chick Tracks and many other outlets that are out there that think that people kill themselves over, or kill others over, commit suicide, and even act into debaucherous practices because of an interest of D&D. The real joke on here is thinking that D&D players can commit to anything, much less murder. I know. <laughs> uh, I mean, have you ever tried getting, like, five friends together on a single day of the week? To do this? Uh, just trying to hang out? Trust me. It's, it's no easy feat. Oh, yeah. And the older you are, the harder it gets. Yeah. That was just my little rant. Uh, humor to follow up the TRPG, uh... For my fellow TTRPG nerds, because trust me, if you've ever played in any sort of <laughs> long-running game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. This belief was so out there during the Satanic Panic, yep. and it's still out there. They have had hour-long specials warning parents yep. of the dangers of Dungeons & Dragons. I mean... If you know who Geraldo Rivero is, and I'll try to talk about that a little bit more the next thing too, hosted a whole special on it and like the dangers and yeah, uh, freaking ridiculous is what it is. Uh, when I mentioned to my mom that I had an interest in starting playing 
D&D. She was actually afraid for my life. What? Because she thought, like, yeah, well, it's, I grew up in the Southern Baptist home. This is true. I forget about that sometimes. So she thought that, you know, I was in danger of some sort. But, you know, I, of course, did the nerdy thing and showed her a bunch of data that misproved. Yeah. All the negative stereotypes involved with gaming, and actually had her watch some streams uh, that go into like the positive parts of D and D, and like what a lot of online communities that do it or that are fans of it have done for people. Uh, the you know psychological benefits from doing it, playing it, and everything else. Uh, so she's kind of like opened up. I actually had her play. And a few home games that I've done with my family over the holidays, which is okay, always interesting. Uh, we had one, we had one game where my nephew decided he was going to uh, spend the for get spend the entire game in the forest chopping wood for no reason. They didn't want to play with everybody else. He just wanted to. <laughs> this, this is this is my nephew with Aspergers. Oh. Okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm just like, all right, buddy, you, you have fun chopping that wood. Everyone else is going to go uh, save lives. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, so, yeah, now she knows that it's just a bunch of nerds pretending. Uh, dumb stuff, math, dick jokes, and group therapy. Oh, it is, for sure. They, they, they even made movies in back in the day based around this game. So the next big topic we're going to talk about for the Satanic Panic is the gays. That's it. That's all. <laughs> the gays Yikes. are evil. <laughs> but, but for real, as with everything, with the far right propaganda, with moral panic, panic, they blame us queers for something. Oh yeah. And it's this instance that they tried to say that gays were minions of the dark lord who were using their queer powers to influence and manipulate the youth into serving the dark lord what? yeah uh that's all i'm gonna go on about that for right now because <laughs> yeah i i don't want to get too tied up with that oh yeah <laughs> we can go on for a minute for that with that yep so Next thing we're going to talk about is metal, goths, and punks. So, you know, generally, metal and punk are... Well, metal is like a weird social identity, kind of, but it's mainly a music genre that a lot of people are fans of. Yeah. And there's a wide variety of different types of metal. Yes. Uh, goth is a subgenre of punk, but it's typically, like, darker and kind of how do i put this from the outside looking in it seems more sinister than it actually is yes and then punks of course get a bad rap because they're counterculture and do we do weird crazy stuff uh you do so this is a big one for a number of different levels but basically it boils down to the fact that uh all these things played into a counterculture shift and a major shift in music because a lot of different types of music started to become 
harder and more intense. Of course, there is some contention as to who did it first between the punks and metalheads, but there's a massive rivalry kind of thing between us punks and the metalheads. It's kind of a love-hate thing. It's kind of like with the Irish and the Scottish, you know. They'll talk crap about each other, but let an Englishman show up and see who's talking crap. <laughs> uh, that's it. That way about us with, I don't know, country music. Uh, <laughs> so, personally, I would say that the punks started with the angrier and more expressive lyrics. But the instrumental aspects, the heavier instrumental aspects, came from the metalhead. Basically, we're the hearts and have something to say, and they're extremely talented on instruments. If this wasn't a recording, I would probably deny I ever said that. (laughs) Uh, So many people know the band Black Sabbath. Yes. Who, you know, some may disagree, but they were basically the first metal band. Yeah. What most people don't like to talk about is the fact that they were actually a blues band first and had a different name. Yes. And then when they were trying to experiment with different sounds and get their names out there, Tommy Lomi, Lamy, Lomi, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, The guitarist wanted to try something new and he found some what the Catholic Church referred to as the Devil's Trinote, which your brother might actually be able to lay some light in on this. Um, but basically, it's like a chord progression that, or type of chord progression that is your typical metal sounding chord progression, which is where metal music actually separated heavily into its own genre uh, and they this basically evolved into a lot of the other types of chord progressions that metal typically uses the youth loved it therefore the parents thought it was evil so the youth leaned into it even harder then they started acting a certain way and dressing a certain way because of basically tribalism and because they found their tribe and so, of course, parents pushed back harder because it was evil. So kids pushed back harder away from their parents and mm-hmm. became more closed off. And this happened with punks, metalheads, and goths. Uh, this made, forced them to move deeper into social circles and tighten the tribes, as it were. Uh, That being said, as with everything, there were some groups that took things way too hard and way too far. Uh, That's why you have, you know, certain punk musicians like Gigi Allen who would do deplorable things for no reason other than the fact that he thought it was punk, even though he missed the entire point of it. And you had certain, like, whole subgenres of metal that go way way too far and then you have some that just kind of do it ironically kind of like a reclaiming thing like when pagans make jokes about eating babies because christians <laughs> think that we eat babies 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, you know, there there were a few people who, you know, ended up hurting other people. Mm-hmm. But in the widespread and the percentage, that's, those people shouldn't represent the whole. No. Because that would be like saying that all Christians are responsible for the acts of the Catholic Church. Touche, yeah. And if if you don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> you should probably read up on history. <laughs> yeah. Just like all of it. Every all bit of, of it. history yeah. ever. Yeah. Uh, so money and mental health is our next topic. Uh, on my little overview here. <laughs> and we could talk this one. Uh, we can talk about this one for a while. Yes. And we will talk about parts of this in another episode. I think partly dedicated just to the particular book called Michelle Remembers, which is a classic, but the short version is yes. there was a psychologist who used suppression uh, memory therapy to dig up alleged memories of his patient. Yes. And who was supposedly a victim of a satanic cult and sex ring. Yes. That she grew up in and she repressed it and they wrote a book about it. Um, He also went on to marry said patient. Yes, he did. And there was a lot of, there's a lot of issues with all of that. But we'll get into that on its own episode. Yeah. I got two more for us to cover, and they're both short. Just hang in there. We're almost done, guys. Uh, so conspiracies. And this is one that we've seen time and time again through just different things I've talked about and other topics. And we've seen it from medieval times, and we still see it today. Yeah. Basically, it comes down to the fact that some people think there's an evil organization that's pulling all the strings and is hell-bent on controlling everyone via nefarious means. Yes. And the last one's <laughs> cultural shift. And this is a big yeah. uh, This is one of, if not the biggest issue causing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Gen X, we saw the biggest shift in society we have ever seen mm-hmm. previously. And we are seeing it again now. Um, I personally feel like this is going to cause another satanic panic with many of the characteristics yep. as the last one caused by younger millennials and Zoomers forcing the cultural shift and forcing certain people to deal with the fact that people want equal rights and people want to be able to exist without worrying about being murdered. Yeah. As with our previous generation, they fear that which they don't fully grasp. Yes. And I'm sure there might be a time in the future where, you know, our generation is the one that has causes something similar in a moral panic. But I don't see it being a satanic panic. No. After this one. No. But... That's what we've got for today. Yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I hope you guys stay tuned for the rest of the series with a lot more information coming. Yes. 
It's going to be wild and crazy and fun and entertaining and all sorts of other <laughs> words I'm pulling out um, while I'm shuffling my tarot cards to do our weekly, our bi-weekly reading. So I'm not actually just stalling. I'm <laughs> yeah, it's like I can go first. Oh, you're good. I got the cards. <laughs> it's like I can, I can go first. So okay. I drew the world. So and I have a nightmare for Christmas deck. So it's the part in the movie where you're in the forest. And you, you come across all four season trees. So keywords for this are fulfillment, harmony, and completion. To encounter the world in your cards is to encounter a great unity and wholeness. It symbolizes the moment when the inner and outer world, self and other, become a single entity. In some traditions, this state is described as enlightenment or nirvana. There is a recognition that the individual self is profoundly linked with all other things. In that we all dance and sway along the flow of life to one rhythm. Not only do you hear this rhythm, but you participate in it uh, following the dips and rises, the joys and the sorrows. How this feeling manifests may differ from person to person, whether it is a calm on a summer day or a recognition of a lifelong achievement. This card reminds us of the Sankhurst. Is that how you say that? S-A-N-S-K-R-I-T. I have no idea. Um, phrase, I'm not going to pronounce the non-translated words, but it translates as, you are that. Remember this, and the joy will come to you easily. Cool, cool, cool. So, <laughs> I have the hermit reversed. Uh, I know a lot of people don't do reversed cards. I personally do. Uh, so the Hermit Reverse, you go two ways. One, you are not taking enough time for personal reflection, and, or you're taking too much. If you, if you struggle to connect with your spiritual self, the Hermit Reverse encourages you to create more space to meditate and reflect. It is time to go deeper into your inner being and rediscover your greatest purpose on the earth. Uh, you may have been so busy dealing with your day-to-day -day issues that you have forgotten to listen to your inner voice. The Hermit asks you to search deep within your soul to help you find your way again and focus on rebuilding yourself on a spiritual level. If you have already been spending a lot of time reflecting on your inner self, the Hermit Reverse may suggest that you may be taking this isolation thing too far. Are you becoming a literal hermit and cutting yourself off from others? Do you underestimate the value of staying connected with others? Even while you are going through your spiritual journey, be mindful, too, of other people's needs. You do not want to become so absorbed in yourself and your personal dilemma 
that you shut off, the shut out your friends and family. So, what do you think those mean together? I don't know. Because they're they almost feel like they're opposites, where like you're you're reaching your enlightenment, you're reaching a, a good spot. But on the other side, you have, you might be neglecting something. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's addictive of, you've reached as far as you can alone, and now you need others to help you reach further. Okay, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, I I don't know if that fits me right now. Not positive on that. Well, it could it could also mean that you're on the verge of reaching a good point. You just need to isolate yourself more if you have not been isolating yourself enough. That's kind of how I feel with this week's past, well, last couple of weeks events. It's kind of how I feel with someone, which we'll talk about that later. Um, it's me. No, I'm just... <laughs> no, 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 it, you know who it is. It's not you. It's not you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, phone to friend. <laughs> phone to friend. Friend your enemies. Always friend your enemies. Enemy everyone who doesn't listen to our podcast. Of course people listen to our podcast. Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Duh. (laughs) Yeah, but follow us. I just had a really weird morbid thought, but I'm not going (laughs) to say that on the air. I'll tell you after we stop recording. (laughs) I was like, you can join us on Facebook. Instagram and YouTube, but the hands that you see on the YouTube videos are my hands. Um, and then if we fucked anything up, if you have a book recommendation or if there's something that you think that we should cover, you can email us at thewaywarddragons at gmail.com. But please. I'm at, I am shocked at you. What? You said the fuck word. <laughs> I say the fuck word a lot and it's funny because even if we don't well, if we don't cuss in the episode i still mark it as explicit <laughs> i mean you never know i never know you never know you never know but like we've already said please tell a friend tell your enemies tell everyone I- i'm gonna make that a common thing that People just recommend podcasts to their enemies. I mean, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, if you like us, tell your friends. If you don't like us, tell your enemies. Tell it's Simple as that. Tell everybody. <laughs> For revenge. <laughs> but anyways, all right. I'm Johnny. And I'm Kelsey. Bye. Bye.